How's it going, guys? It's Kyle Brotherson here with Dirt Bike Channel. This is the Dirt Bike Channel podcast. You made it. You have made it. And today's podcast is actually sponsored by Fastway. Fastway offers an extensive line of billet aluminum performance motorcycle products. Some of the most popular things that they're known for are kickstands and foot pegs, but they've also got hand guards and cargo racks and linkage guards and more. Fastway products are precision engineered for the best ride every ride, and they're machined right here in the USA in Idaho. Pretty cool. From weekend warriors to factory racers, they have the parts that will optimize your riding experience. So please visit fastway.zone, that's fastway.zone, to see the entire product line from foot pads to kickstands and everything in between. Again, fastway.zone. You know, I don't know how I missed this, but they actually have a kickstand for the KTM 65 SX bikes. My kids, well, I've been looking for these forever and I don't know how I missed this, but they actually have a product that I cannot wait to get, which is a kickstand for my son's 65 because I'm tired of them having to kick, you know, put the bike over. I wanted, I wanted to see if they had it for the Yamaha uh, 65. I don't see that on their website, but they do have, they are showing this KTM 65 um, kickstand, which uh, <laughs> I'm gonna get and try because I love that. So. Anyway, thanks for uh, Fast, Fastway for sponsoring today's podcast. Um, let's get right into this. This is five things that I wish I had known when starting in dirt bikes. Here they are, and it's probably in no particular order, uh, but these are some, some things that I've been thinking about recently that uh, you know I, I wish I would have known as I started out in this sport, this sport that has given me so much. But these are a few of the things that I didn't know right off the get-go, and because I didn't know them, it almost kind of stunted my career. In fact, I almost lost my dirt bike career because I didn't know some of these things, right? So, you know, and, and, and as we go, they say hindsight is twenty twenty, right? So our, per, our perspective on things changes with our experience. That's natural, you know? And of course, you're going to have a different view on things uh, when you know how the end turns out. Now, obviously, my ending isn't right now. My story isn't completely written, far from it, actually. But I've learned a lot in the last nine and a half years that, uh, as I've been in this sport. And I want to save people from making some of the same mistakes that I made. You know, I want to keep, uh, keep people from having to bang their head against the wall as much as maybe I did and kind of um, help, uh, help you get a, a, a better start, a head start in some of these things. So these are just five things that I was thinking of the last couple of days that I wish I had known. And if you're just starting in dirt bikes, pay special attention to these things because I think this can help uh, your overall experience. The, the first thing actually, um, and maybe some of you guys can relate to this, the first thing is actually kind of something that I wish I had known uh, even before getting started in dirt bikes, it's kind of a cheater thing. Um, and that is that dirt bikes aren't scary. <laughs> and you shouldn't ride quads or ATVs living in fear, fear of what you could have on a dirt bike. A lot of you guys know my kind of dirt bike genesis story, which is the fact that I didn't ride dirt bikes growing up. I We had some, some um, dual sport bikes around, but I was so scared of them. Uh, I, I got introduced to a couple of the little teeny two strokes were just like that were just like on-off switches, and I was scared of them. And that fear and that apprehension of crashing and hurting myself or whatever kept me off the bike. And that can keep you off the bike. And that is your enemy. Fear is your enemy in this. And I, I could have started on, a, on dirt bikes many, many years before that I, before I did. And that would have put me a long ways ahead of where I am now. Uh, you know, they say the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago, but the second best time is today, you know, now. <laughs> So th that would be my first thing is don't delay too long. Don't live in fear thinking that you might not be good at it or thinking that you might get hurt or any of these other 
um, some of these, these other fears and things because this is something that might give you a ton, a ton of fulfillment and enjoyment. And so it's important to start now. If your finances allow, start now. And, and that means, I mean, by the time I, got, I started my family, that wasn't a good time to start because my finances didn't allow it. But if I had started riding dirt bikes when I was 14, 15, 16, I could have ridden up until I was about 20. And then I probably would have had to, would have had to take a little bit of a break as I was going to college and starting my family and doing those things and getting my first uh, few jobs. Um, but there are so many people that are, that are just getting into this sport now as like, you know, 30 something guys and 40 something guys. I hear about it all the time. And the thing that I would say to you guys is don't delay. Start now. If your finances allow and it, allow for it, and you're not going to put yourself in some sort of you know, financial burden or, or distress, start now. But the other thing too is there are so many people out there, are some people out there that are just like, I've got a plan for my retirement. I've got a plan for my college kids fund and all this stuff. And you just, you get wrapped so much into it. And Dave Ramsey or one of these finance guys would hate me saying this, but you got to live a little bit. I'm not saying that I want everyone to be shackled in debt, but you do have to live a little bit and you've got to enjoy the journey. And riding dirt bikes and learning this sport and doing this thing is something that has just given me so much joy that what if I would have waited until I was 40? You know, I got my first dirt bike when I was 30. And if I would have waited until I was 40, so, so that I was a little bit more financially stable or something, I would have given away 10 years. And that's, that's the thing is I don't want you to give away 10 years or 20 years. Um, get started if you can. It's, it, don't be scared of it. Just get in and start doing it. That, that was my first thing that I would say. The second thing that I wish I'd known is getting the right tool for the job. So this is pretty easy for a lot, a lot of other people in other, you know, sports and things, you know, you get the right golf clubs or you get the right basketball, you get the right size basketball for what you're going to do, right? If you're a kid, you get the youth ball. If you're an adult, you get the bigger ball. If you're going to play tennis, you got to have, you got to have tennis balls, not baseballs, you know? And so if you're going to, in, when getting into this sport, there's a lot of different bikes out there and I'll kind of group, group in, into like three different bikes for the type of riding that is kind of quasi on this channel. There's obviously other bikes out there, but uh, you know, if you're going to go to a motocross track and that's where you're going to ride and train, then let's get you an MX bike, get you a motocross bike that is specifically built for that discipline. It's going to help you a lot. If you're going to just casually ride trails, maybe some forest roads, maybe just kind of tool out through a field or something like that, or ride down a gravel road, uh, let's get you a trail bike. Honda makes some, Yamaha makes some, they, they, Kawasaki, Suzuki, they all make a trail bike that is going to suit you fine and it's going to be lower maintenance and it's, it's going to have softer suspension and it's going to be really nice and give you an enjoy an enjoyable experience. Then if you want to do a mix of things and you have kind of a personality that makes you kind of push harder than the typical person, then you might want to get an off-road slash enduro, uh, race style bike. That doesn't mean you have to race, but you want to get something that allows that down the road that, that allows you to push a little bit harder, has more aggressive suspension, has a more aggressive hit on the motor. And, and these things will make such an overall, such, such a huge difference on your overall experience. Like a lot of you guys know, I've mentioned in, in this podcast before, I started out on a 450 motocross bike. It was not what I was doing. I was not going to tracks. I was riding, you know, nasty, rocky roads and hills and things. And it wasn't great. It almost made me stop riding because I was using the wrong tool for the job. Now that bike that I had is a fantastic tool for a certain person doing a certain type of thing, but I wasn't doing that. You know, I had the wrong hammer. I'm trying to frame a house with a, you know, a, a six pound sledgehammer, you know, and it's just not the right thing to do. So I wish I would have known that, that 
really, you do have to get the right tool for the job. You can't just go get like some performance MX bike and think that you're going to have a blast on it because yeah, it's going to have a ton of power, but it's going to eat you for breakfast with the suspension and all that power. And it's just going to be hard. And so we need to get you to have the right tool for the right purpose. You know, another thing I wish I'd have known, and this isn't my, this is still just piggybacking off that second thing of getting the right tool for the job is that Two-stroke bikes generally are easier to keep running when the speeds are slow and technical. I started out on a 454-stroke bike, and it wasn't easy to keep it running. It was hard. It was very hard to keep that bike running. And I wish I had known right then and there at the beginning that I would gravitate more towards the slower, more technical stuff, and that would mean I would want a modern big-bore two-stroke probably to kind of do that type of riding. Um that might save your riding career because I almost lost my career just because I had the wrong bike. You know, sure, you can take a four-stroke to all the same places. They can do anything, you know. It's just some of those things that you're going to do might be harder and require more skill, more clutch control on a four-stroke than it would on a two-stroke. And I wish I had known that. That um, that might have, you know, because I almost lost everything because I, I was on the wrong bike. And I wish I would have known that going in, get the right tool for the job, if you're going to do, you know, faster, more open flowing stuff, it's really not going to matter two stroke or four stroke. If you're going to do, you know, a lot of the more slower technical stuff, uh, the two strokes are going to give you some advantages. I know that's counterintuitive for a lot of guys out there, but a lot of you guys are, know exactly what I'm talking about. So it's not, it doesn't come as, as a surprise to you. Um, number three thing. Um, and <laughs> there's this thing called single track and it's going to change your life. If you're just getting started into this, I, I think it has the possibility for doing that. It certainly did. It certainly did for me. You know, when you're out there on single track, you climb to new heights, you sink to new lows, you ride on the pipe, and you ride on the edge. You twist the throttle, you cover the brake, you stab the clutch, and you hang on for dear life. We smile, we grimace, we shiver, we sweat, we laugh, we cuss, we submit, and we conquer. We face our fears push our boundaries, we discover new limits, and we find ourselves along the way. That's a little thing that's written on the homepage of my website. And I wrote that several years ago while I was sitting at my old job in the afternoon, a sales job. I was, I was setting up my website at my old position, my old work. And uh, it was just something that came to me. And I, I kinda, it's kind of like my little motto. Um, and single track really did that for me. It, it, it taught me new things about myself. And it changed everything. I didn't know that single track was a thing. If you watch my YouTube channel, you've seen me ride a lot of, a lot of single track. Um, a lot of the videos are riding videos. It's where I'm starting to talk about, you know, what the bike's doing and, and how it's feeling and what the suspension is doing and all those types of things. I do a lot of vlogging and it's almost always on single track because it's just so fun. You know, my dad, my dad thinks, uh, I don't know how much my dad loves it because he thinks it's an need to get out riding with my dad. Sorry, dad. Next year, next summer, we got to do some more riding. But he w he thought that it was, I remember the first couple times I took him, he was like, we're just riding in ruts, you know, because he, he was used to like riding on this, you know, bigger, wider roads and things like that. And now we're going down these trails that are really sometimes only a little bit wider than your dirt bike tire. And he's like, why are we just riding in all these <laughs> ruts? But it changed for me. And I love the concept of it. I love the challenge of it. And those trails can take you, out into the mountains and out into the, you know, out into the desert in places that you would never get to see otherwise. And it literally almost changed my life. I mean, it did change my life and I almost didn't know about it. If it wasn't for Sam Oldham taking me on that ride. Thanks Sam, by the way. 
taking me up that ride in Payson Canyon, starting at Jones Ranch. It was my first, it was my first time in single track. I didn't know that it was a thing. And I wish I'd have known that. If I, if I would have started out, if I had known this starting out, first off, I would have gotten into dirt bike sooner. Second thing, I would have gotten the right tool for the job. And third, I would have known that I'm going to want to do this single track, this mountain single track stuff, and it's going to be amazing. And so all three of those first things just kind of, they kind of dovetail one into the next because that's the way that this goes. And so that's the way my mind goes. And I nearly missed it. I remember, the, I remember that one time <clears throat> I'm out there on my 2009 YZ450F and I'm just hating it. <laughs> I'm just hating it. I'm, I'm trying to convince myself that it's fun, but I'm like, I got tired of convincing myself that it was fun riding this rocky, nasty stuff on this wrong bike. And I'm like, I'm just going to sell this thing. I'm going to sell it because I'm not having fun on it. And I, it, that seems like such a distant memory to me. It seems like it's so far out there um, because I now know this thing of mountain single track and desert single track and it changed my life. So that's a third thing I wish I had known is that there's a thing called single track and it's pretty amazing. So number four, <clears throat> here's the fourth thing. So I learned this one about, I don't know, two, three, four years into my riding career. And I'm a slow learner, but it's okay. This one is all about being slow because and it would, it would have been nice to know this out of the gate, I think. I think it would have changed my perspective a little bit. You know, you can and you will have fun at any speed in this sport. Like, you guys get me? It doesn't matter whether you're going fast or whether you're going slow. You can find things that are rewarding and challenging and awesome about all of all of that at any speed, you know, as our riding progresses, it evolves and it's a living thing. It's a living and breathing thing that comes along with us as we grow and as we age. And I mean, if you, if you look at the like kids, I look at my kids and it seems like the younger riders, they just want to go fast. Uh, they want to learn how to like do wheelies and go fast. And like, did I get air off that? And they want to jump, you know, and, and that's fine. I, I love going fast and I love doing some wheelies and stuff. I'm not a good slow wheelie guy. I just haven't put the time in for that. I do. I practice it like never really, but I'm not one of those guys that can slow wheelie. So I, I can do some other things, but the whole thing is as we're young, we just want to go fast. And then it was as we mature a little bit, either in age or in our riding career and our riding stature, seems like the riding starts to slow down and we start looking for a new challenge. And here's the thing. Here's that fourth thing. Slow is hard and slow is rewarding. Oftentimes, slow is much harder than going fast. You know, in some instances, it doesn't take a lot of skill to go fast, especially if you're out in wide open terrain or whatever. Any 14, 15 year old kid can take the bike up to its limits, you know, because there's nothing that they have to, there's nothing that they're going to crash on. There's nothing that they have to dodge, no trees, no rocks, no whatever. And it doesn't take, it really doesn't take any skill or very little skill to click into fourth gear, fifth gear, sixth gear, and just wide open, hold the bike wide open down the road. That doesn't take a lot of skill. But going slow, that's another story. So the thing, the fourth thing that I wish I had known when I started out in this sport is let's learn to go slow fast. And what I mean by that is don't wait so long to start working on your balance. Don't wait, wait so long to start working on the slower parts, the slower technique of your riding. Let's get, let's start learning that stuff faster. <laughs> let's start doing that earlier. Because some of this stuff, this slow riding stuff, and I'm not like a trials champion or anything like this, far, 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 far from it. But the point is, 
you can have fun at any speed and slow is hard. You know, you look at the guys like, uh, Graham Jarvis or, or some of these guys that are doing the hard enduro stuff. A lot of those guys started as trials guys and they were trials champions. And then they, they started racing in, in the off-road and enduro series and stuff because going slow is hard. It's the balance. It's the skill there. It's the clutch control. It's the line selection when you're going slow because so much of the time we, we, I, and everyone can mask your abilities with momentum and you can get your dirt bike to get over things or through things just with momentum, right? If you slow things down, then it actually becomes more of a challenge and you've got to use more skill. So that's the fourth thing is slow is fast and, or slow is hard. And let's go, let's learn to go slow faster. Fifth thing, and I'm going to break, I'm going to break this up into a number of different, um, kind of little sections, because this is one really quite big thing, uh, that a lot of people don't think about. And I certainly did not think about it as I, um, when I started in this sport and it's become more and more and more important to me as I've gone. So you've probably heard the old adage that the shoes make the man, right? Um, I mean, who hasn't heard that? And, and, and I ask you, why do they say this? Why do the shoes make the man? Well, I'm not a fashion expert, but I do have to concede that you can tell a lot about a person by looking at their shoes. You can tell a, cu- a construction worker from a banker. You can tell an athlete from a lawyer. You can see if they're blue collar, if they're white collar, etc. You get it. You can look at their shoes and see. So similarly, let's take a look at the shoes of your bike. The tires that you use, how you fill those tires, and how often you change them will play a larger role in your riding career than just about anything else that you could do. The only other, the only other thing that I think could play as much of a role or kind of an equal role in your riding career is how much you're riding, like, like the seat time. So let's talk about that a little bit. Tires. Tires. First, let's just talk about how you're going to fill them. So your bike is going to come, obviously, if you buy a a new bike or whatever, it's going to have tubes in it. If you're going to do off-road riding, I suggest that you change those um, as soon as you can to like a heavy-duty tube. There's heavy-duty tubes. There's tubeless. There's moose bibs. And what my suggestion to you and what I wish I had known one of the things I'd wish I'd known is that you should try all of these things and see what you like best. For different people, they're going to have you know different likes. You're going to have different needs based on your terrain. And uh, HC tubes might be the way for you to go. It it may be moose bibs might be the way for you to go because you don't you like I don't want to get flats ever. I hate flats. It ruins my day. It makes me cry. Um, maybe <laughs> maybe you're going to want moose bibs. And then there's this other camp out there and it's this smaller camp. I get it. There's a smaller camp out there that wants to run tubeless. I happen to be part of that because I love being able to, you know, have a low pressure in my tire, but also be able to not get pinch flats and then just be able to, you know, if I, when, if, and when I get punctures, I like to just be able to plug them with an ATV, you know, motorcycle uh, plug and be going again. But all three of those things, the HD tubes, the tubeless, the moose bibs, they all have advantages. They all have reasons why you might want to use uh, them in certain situations. And there's no one silver bullet that does everything the best. So that's what you need to figure out. 
you need to start trying these things. I wish I had known that for so long. I just went with tubes. Um, and then I tried bibs, uh, on one bike, uh, or two. And then I've tried them on a lot of, a lot of friends bikes and things. But the point is, I wish I would, I wish I would have been experimenting the, with that at an earlier time. Now here's a side note on that. I mentioned that I was going to do this in kind of sections. A side note is you need to be practicing tire changes at home. So again, wish I would have known this. Don't rely on a dealer or some other person to change your tires. In the end, that's going to cause more pain than it's worth for you. It's a pain at first to switch and change dirt bike tires. I know. There, I remember there were times that I would, you know, I would, I would buy. I had to kind. There was a, you know, a time where I had to buy two tubes for every tire. You know, I'm, I'm going to get put. I'm going to put a rear tire on, so I'll buy two new tubes for it because I knew that there was a high probability that while I was installing one of those said tubes, I would pinch it with a, you know, a tire spoon or whatever and ruin it. And I go to put air in it and I've got to pull the tube out because I've, I've already ruined it. So I would buy two tubes at a time. And there was then a point where I just like, I threw my hands up in the air. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to pay Rocky Mountain ATV or a dealer to do this for me. They're going to charge me like 18 bucks to install this. So I got to buy the tire. I got to buy the tube and then I got to pay $18 to have them install it. But it was worth it to me. I had, I went through that phase and knowing what I know now with how easy tire changing has become to me and how quickly and painlessly I can do it. Um, for the most part, I wish I would have known that, Hey, you just got to get through this pain and you got to be practicing tire changes and you got to do it because this is something that's going to pay back dividends to you in the end. It's the thing that's going to be like, Hey, I'm going to put new rubber on my bike for that ride tomorrow or next, you know, or in two days. And it's not a big deal because you can just change it at home. You don't have to run down to some place and get them to install it for you because you're good at this. And I wish I would have known that changing tires at home, practice doing it at home. Yes, it's a pain, but it's going to get easier. The more that you do it. Another section of this, um, tires thing is you need to go out there and you need to pick a tire that works well for the discipline that you're going to ride. They don't, not all tires are created equal. They're all created for different purposes. Okay. If you go out there and you get a DOT approved tire, that's department of transportation approved tire. That means it's a street legal tire. That thing is going to be garbage on the dirt. Now, some of you may disagree and say, well, Hey, this, this tire is great on the dirt. I say, no, if it's, if it's okay to ride on the street and if it's street legal, it's not good on the dirt. It's not, it's not a great tire for the dirt. And the same thing goes the other way around. If it's a great tire on the dirt, it's not going to be great on the road. I think you're making too many compromises. I didn't know that. I didn't understand that. The other thing I didn't understand is you can make a tire that performs really well, or you can make a tire that lasts a long time, but you don't really make both. Now, there are some tires that are kind of cutting the difference, but it is a sliding scale. Just know that if the tire can perform at an, uh, like an incredibly high level on the dirt, it's probably not going to last as long. Conversely, if the tire lasts forever, it lasts 60, 80 hours, it's not going to be a great performing tire. That's just how it goes. So when you're starting in your, in this sport, ask around for the riders in your area and ask them what tires they are using. And I'm not talking about just one person. I'm talking about asking a lot of people, ask as many people as you can, 
Take notes, figure out what they're using and why they're using it. Don't just say like, you know, don't just stop with like, oh, you're using a Maxxis tire or whatever. Ask them why. Ask them why they like it. What about that tire do you like? Does it perform in the sand? Does it perform in the mud? Does it perform in the rocks? Why do you like it? And then, you know, you can start to kind of build from there and then try a bunch of tires. I wish I had known that. I just like, I just started, I was just buying like a Maxxis Desert IT uh, and I, cause it last, somebody told me it lasted a long time. And so I used that and I shortchanged myself for many years, but I'm not, I don't want to like disparage anything. I'm just saying that Maxxis Desert IT, Max Cross Desert IT tire lasts forever. It wears like iron. The problem is it also performs like iron sometimes for me, you know, for the riding I'm doing now, I'm no longer even interested in a tire that isn't a hybrid gummy tire. And a few, just a few years ago, just a few short years ago, I didn't even know what that was. So some of you out there, if I say hybrid gummy tire, you may not know what I'm talking about. You're just like, Hey, is it a knobby? What do you mean? The compounds, there's different compounds in the tires. I wish I had put more time into figuring that out because there are hard compounds, intermediate compounds, soft compound tires, figure out what that stuff means. Figure out what these tread patterns are doing. And you may like a front tire. Um, I, I also thought, you know, it's like I, if I'm going to run a Dunlop AT81 on the front, I've got to run a Dunlop AT81 on the rear. I don't think that's the case. Tire manufacturer probably want you to think that, but I don't think that's the case. And I'm looking for something a little bit different in my front tire than I am in my rear tire. And so I mix and match. And I wish that I had known that, that it's okay. It's encouraged to go out there and try a lot of different things. Try a wider tire. Try a more narrow tire, try a softer tire, try these, one of these, excuse me, these hybrid gummy compounds on the rear. Your future self will thank you for doing that. You know, now I'm kind of a tire snob and so I've got, I've got five or six tires that I, that I really like. Um, but there are other tires that I just won't use anymore because I've been testing them. And then lastly, my last thing is guys, you know, along with, I wish I'd known this one. Don't run the tires too long. You know, so each tire is different with how long it lasts and, and what you're doing with it and where you're riding it. So every tire is going to be different on how long you can run it. But I promise you that the more you can swap out your tires to have fresh rubber, the better your experience is going to be. You know, better traction on your front tire and better traction on your rear tire, it makes all the difference. It can make all the difference. I mean, it's safer. Think about that for just a second. The more grip that you have, especially on that front wheel and your rear wheel, it makes it safer to ride your dirt bike and more fun because you're getting better performance. You're getting better traction. You're getting better hookup on that new rubber. That's just something to think about. It's something that I think about all the time. And I, I realize tires are expensive, but think about it this way. Tires aren't as expensive on your dirt bike as they are on your mountain bike. I go, I go to buy tires for my kids' bikes, and I see mountain bike tires that are more expensive than the tires, these tires that I'm putting on my dirt bike. Yes, this sport is expensive, but it's not as expensive as some of the other things out there in your life. Your tire, your tire is cheaper than a round of golf. And your tire gets used for, I mean, if you go out there and you do a round of golf, it's one afternoon. And it could be a hundred bucks. A hundred dollar tire lasts you for a lot more than just one afternoon. You know, so keep that in mind. It's the fifth thing that I wish I'd known is how important tires are to this entire process. It's incredibly, incredibly important.
So those are my five, those are my five things, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I hope you guys learned something, had a little bit of insight uh, into this because this is all about having fun. The whole reason we're doing this is having fun, and I and these things would have allowed me to have more fun at an earlier spot in my writing career. So I wanted to, again, thank Fastway for sponsoring this podcast. Go check those guys out. It's fastway.zone. That's dot Z-O-N-E. Uh, that's the top-level domain, fastway.zone. Uh, check those guys out for those uh, all the stuff that they have. I hope that you guys have a very awesome Thanksgiving. I am going to be uh, off with the family doing Thanksgiving things, and I hope that you guys are doing that stuff as well and be able to spend some time with family. Family is important. Um, if you've got a dirt bike, be thankful. If you've got a family, be thankful. If you're listening to this on a cell phone or whatever, you've got some blessings in your life, and I think that we need to take a, take a little bit of time and just realize that it's not thankful people who are happy. It's happy people who are thankful. Or I might have gotten that backwards. My wife has that up on the wall. I probably got that back, backwards. I just did that from memory. But the whole point is, if you're if you're a thankful person, you're going to be a happy person. That's how that works. And so I'm trying to exercise that in my life to be a little bit more thankful for the things that I have in my life, um, and that uh, makes me makes me a happy person. The more thankful I am, the more happy I am. So that's my message for you guys today. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Remember, wherever you go, let's leave a single track. Thanks, guys. <laughs>